We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, everything, everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About. She's Lisa V. And he's Randall Keith. And you are tuned in to Brunch Culture, your favorite podcast where everything is up for discussion. <laughs> everything literally is up for discussion. And you know what should be up for discussion? This scam queen. The scam queen. All hail the queen. The queen of scams. I think her name was what? Quran? Quran? I think so. She goes by Quran. Yeah. I was like, man, I wish I had done that. My student loan debt would have been paid off. Fam, like literally when I saw it, I was like, why didn't I come up with this? I wonder if this will still work. Like, I almost want to do it. And, you know, I... I think it would, because I feel like if Trump supporters don't think that... Don't pay attention to the fact that he'd be lying when he's recorded lying, I think you can do it over and <laughs> over again with different people, and, and nobody will pick it up. I, you know, I hate that MAGA hat. Like, I just don't like it at all. But I was like, yo, they said she raised something like $150,000 or whatever, and I was like... 150k fam that's all my student loan and then some like, yeah you you know you could get a million if you put that picture of you and the former first lady up and then put maga hat and say i shifted you know that you probably could get a million dollars you got you just put me on some real real game i think i'm about to you know, and then I can come I, back and just like, it was a joke. I was just playing. I really love you. But take all my money and just pay off the student loans. I don't. Yeah. I think the girl, though, I was reading that she ended up. She said she gave the money back to all the donors. So oh, she, she only she, ended up taking like $200 or something, which was like, but I mean, they gave it to you, though. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. If she giving like, the money back, then never mind. Right, like, I went to talk about they, it. I was going to pay that. Uh, right. They gave it to you, though. Like, I just feel like maybe that, I don't know, maybe she could have, there could have been like a lawsuit or something. I don't know, like, the, the back end part of it. But, I mean, I might. Don't be surprised if you see an updated picture on my Facebook and the Instagram saying, I, I'm on the other side. <laughs> MAGA, MAGA, let's make America <laughs> great again. <laughs> Look, I got student yeah. loans to pay. Student loans. You know what was crazy this week, though? Charlotte wasn't the only person that took a tumble. Um, you so rude. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wrong. <laughs> Grandma RBG, I was concerned with it though. Yeah, some people didn't think she fell. Um, that she was pushed. Um, you know, was, you know, I was one it, of them. I was a little concerned. I was, I was very concerned. Like, so I mean, you know, all these years, and all of a sudden, she just, she just fell. She was at and home? she's fit too. Yeah, she's fit. She works out. I don't know. Did you watch the RBG documentary? Mm-mm. I saw clips of it though. Yeah, so I watched it and like she, 
She has a trainer. She gets up. She says she works out every morning. Like, at, at like something like five, four or five o'clock in the morning. Like, every day yeah. she gets up. So, I'm like, she fell and How then did, she fractured oh. with three ribs. Mm. Yeah, it was really, mm. and it's crazy because my grandmother has, like, fell, like, four or five times and has injured herself. Um, One time, like, she injured her arm. So, I'm familiar with older people falling. Right. Um, But, Ruth, I guess I, my grandmother doesn't wake up at four o'clock in the morning and work out. Right. So, I think I had a different set of expectations for my grandmother and Ruth. Because I feel like Ruth is like one of those old people that you, that the exception to the rule. Uh-huh. But I guess everybody can fall. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I was a little concerned, though. I got real concerned, though, because it was just kind of like, okay, so look, it's a lot of stuff happening right now. You know, the Democrats just got the House. Um, and before, I think it actually happened before then. So we knew, we, you know, was like, okay, so Democrats are going to take over the House. This is going to be a good thing. We just got, like, Trump just put Kavanaugh in. So I think he's really looking for somebody else. He wants to appoint another Supreme Court justice before his time is up. And I feel like they're going after RBG. And we RBG has already said she rocking until she can see him out. Like, And so it's like, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I need you to... <laughs> there got to be more to this story because RBG, she lift weights. She do squats. Like, if you watch the documentary, you see her doing all this stuff. And I was like, and she just fell? She was just, like, walking? You know, I don't know. It's I, like when Frank on House of Cards pushed that lady. What? Who was... Was that his secretary of state? No. Pushed down the stairs. Oh, down the stairs. Oh! I thought she, yeah, he did. Nah, Dang. he took Zoe in a... But I'm I talking forgot about... about yeah, I forgot about her. He did push her down the stairs. They was just talking. And the thing was... This how... Like Sly Frank was. Remember, he wasn't even. They weren't even arguing at the time. They was just having like a normal conversation, and then he just like pushed her. Dang, yeah. I completely forgot about that. I was just about to holler justice for Zoe, but you know, nobody don't care about Zoe no more. They were still talking about Zoe in this new season. Really good, good. I'm, I haven't watched it, so you can't you can't spoil nothing for me. But hopefully. I'm still, it's still justice for Zoe. It's justice for Zoe for life. Because I just feel like it was real wrong. <laughs> Frank messed my curl up. <laughs> I'll never, I will never forget seeing, I was literally on my couch like, no! <laughs> like, that scene, that would hurt me. I was, that took a lot out of me. I was not expecting that to happen. That one really rocked me to my core. Oh, Zoe. <laughs> Well, you know what rocked a lot of people to their core? And I feel like this was conflicting for black people. Jeff Sessions resigning at the request of the president. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was it's a tension because we don't want him we didn't want him in there initially. Mm-hmm. But we don't want him to be taken out because we want um Mueller to be protected. So it's like <laughs> we're like, uh, I don't want you in there because of what you do or how you treat minorities. But at the same time, I don't want you to leave just yet until Mueller finished this investigation. Because exactly. if you leave too soon, then nothing really going to come of this. Like, we really ain't finna get nothing out of this. So yeah. we conflicted. It's just like, huh, oh, goodness. That's life, though. It's just like, 
this so whole, many twists. Yeah, it's just this whole thing altogether, though, because it was what his chief of staff is like taking over, and his chief of staff is apparently um, has been very vocal. According to like the news, he's been very vocal about thinking that the Mueller investigation was pointless and it shouldn't have been. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, you know, this is a waste of of uh, tax dollars and all of this stuff. That which is kind of like, so you're coming in with a bias automatically. You're coming in knowing that, and it, we can pretty much reasonably assume that you're about to try to end this investigation or at least press. Mueller, so if there's any like hardcore findings that would link uh, Trump to any type of collusion, it's like, oh, let's really put pressure on you to wrap this up so that that doesn't become a thing, you know, or let's like make sure that we are limiting the scope of what you look at and what you do so nothing comes out of this. It's just... It goes back to when I always say, like, yo, watching the news now is extremely draining because it's like people say, oh, it's just like a reality show. It's like kind of, but it's actually worse because this directly impacts your life, you know, like this is like this really, really directly impacts your life. So reality show, you can kind of laugh, get mad or whatever and walk away with this. You can't like if you walk away from it, it's still your life. It still affects your life. This is this is what we're dealing with for real, for real. Yeah, it really is. And CNN, I watch CNN, but I have it like on in the background. And I just for some some of this stuff, it's just like I feel like everybody has their own following and everybody's trying to get their social media following to like what they're saying. Yeah. And like I'm talking about like shock and awe. So like I'm a fan of Angela Rye, but I started to notice that like she it seems like now she's trying to make facial expressions for social media memes. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, come on, Angela, like do this, like just don't have a zinger just for social media because then you have the zinger and then it's like 15 minutes, not even a full 15 minutes after you got out the air, they done made it a meme. You're and you don't put it on your thing. Like, are you trying to do this to boost your following, to boost your celebrity, or is this really about you know making change? Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a weird thing. I was having a, a conversation with another friend about this, um, maybe like this past week, and we were kind of talking about you know uh, people that are in that space. And I was like, one of the things that because we talked about like you know politics. 20 years ago or so used to be more about, you know, people, somebody is qualified. Here's the experience that the person has. Here's, you know, a person that is given their opinion that might be writing an op-ed. Um, obviously it wasn't the internet. There wasn't social media. Wasn't that social media wasn't around. So we weren't going to social media to get news, but it's like people that were writing opinion pieces in like the newspaper or some sort of uh magazine article those people usually had some sort of like credentials to get there. Um, and so it was, while it could, it was opinion based. It's still, you knew this person had some sort of like historical credibility to get there. Whereas now that's like completely not the thing. So everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a voice. Everybody, um, has a voice on a public or a large, everybody can get a, a large following. And so while things like, you know, you I might see that, and I remember people kept pushing like the Angela Rise like boy by th- boy by comment a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember initially saying like, "Yo, in that interview, if you watch that interview, if you watch the stuff that she was saying beyond that, she actually made some like really really good points." 
Um, but I feel like people were missing that and they just kept saying, boy, bye, boy, bye, showing a boy, bye. And I'm like, no, you're missing it. But in the political climate that we have now, it's almost like that's necessary. Like she, she would not get a following if she didn't have those types of things. Like people really wouldn't be paying attention to her. She might not even be able to book those, uh, consistently book those jobs on CNN because as a news network, they are also trying to get people to click on them. They want that. Let's get on here. And we got this. We have people that's that know that CNN is going to have the real debate. So the real argument. So whatever, you know what I mean? So it's like, it kind of seems like, unfortunately now that type of thing is a necessary evil. Like you kind of got to have those facial expressions or people following to say like, Oh, what's going on? And I get I get annoyed, too, because we we talked about this on the show before. But like people have this idea that as young people, we are just focused on entertainment. And to be fair, a number of us are like that is important. People we want things that's going to make us laugh or, you know, detach from the stresses of life or what have you. But it's like we can do both. We got your thing of, you know, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like. I can engage in something that is funny um, and entertaining, but I also can engage in something that's a little more thought provoking and just do that, you know, like have that just alone. So I can dissect the two of them. It does not have to be a person that is able to make me laugh. And, you know, they might here and there throw in some like conscious things or some thought provoking things like I can just listen to a whole segment of a show that's more thought provoking and then listen to something that's more entertaining and be okay I feel like people don't realize that we could do that and people aren't giving us credit or the general public credit to understand that both work but then I guess too if you start thinking about money and numbers and like again what the following you have a lot of people are just going after the entertainment part because it's easier to dissect maybe but mm-hmm. yeah. Huh. Yeah. It is a tricky thing to balance trying to get people to listen and also providing them with substantive content. So, yeah, it's, a, you know, I, I, I get it. It's not, it annoys me at time. It frustrates me at time. Like I feel like people, and I don't, I don't necessarily feel like it's the person that's doing, it. I just feel like people just in general, just want to miss it. You know, like, <laughs> They also said some other stuff. Let's talk about that. Let's not just talk about the stuff that's entertaining. Like, but I guess, you know, most of us are overly worked and stressed in our career. So it's like when I get home, I just want to listen to dumb stuff. Me, that's how I've been for the past like three months. I've been in that space. When I come home, I just want everything to be stupid and I don't have to think about it because I'm tired of thinking. <laughs> that's what I've been. Yeah, it is struggling. Yeah. It is definitely struggling. That's it. So we have to bring to you some sad news. Stan Lee passed away. And if you're a Marvel comic fan like Randall. Yeah. Um I'm sure this is more devastating for you. Yeah, it's it's so Stan Lee and I actually had gone back um and read a couple articles about like his history with like uh Marvel comics and, and I Stan Lee was a part of the I didn't actually know that he started off as just kind of like a lower level writer. This is before Marvel was Marvel. It was actually something, I think it was like talk comics or something like that, or time comics or something like that. It was like before superheroes became a thing, Stan Lee kind of 
kickstarted all of those, your Spider-Mans, your Iron Mans, all of those people. Um, but it's just, you know, he, in more recent years, he's become, you know, the fi- the figurehead of our comic books, um, of our, the, 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 our era of comic books, should I say. And so all of these heroes that we like grew up with, like a lot of them were pushed and, and, um, I don't think he solely created any of them, but I think he was he he like co-created um, and definitely kind of made that shift in Marvel. The comic company as a whole made that shift for them to be obviously like in comics, but then also to go to like cinema. And we start getting these X-Men, Spider-Man movies that became like, you know, super huge and all of this good stuff. And so it's 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 sad to see somebody that has that type of impact on basically all of my childhood and even my adulthood now because I run to see these movies and to see somebody like that pass away. Um, you know, it's really sad. It's really sad. And it reminds me of why I love, 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 love creators, why I love people that are creating content in general, but people that are really just like pushing to, you know, create characters to write. I just saw on, uh, on, uh, social media that a girl that I, I don't even know that well, but I went to college with and she just released like a book on Amazon, like an ebook on Amazon. And it's a, it's a fictional book. And I was like, Oh, I got like super excited. It's like, all right, I got to go buy this. I got to make sure I read it. Cause I get excited by people like this, but it's because of like somebody like a Stan Lee who comic books, before his era of changing things looked very different. Comic books were like war heroes and like people in the military and like, you know, cops and robbers like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But it shifted to like, Oh, people have superpowers, but they are real and they got problems like me. So they're nerdy and they're not that strong, but then they get this superpower and it's like, it expands your imagination. And that's the imagination that I had as a kid and even have now. So it's real sad, you know, seeing, seeing that he passed away. But one thing I was really excited about was I was glad that he got the Black Panther cameo. Um, he was, he's been a cameo and actually in all of these, uh, more recent Marvel films, but I was excited for the Black Panther cameo because I feel like, you know, obviously he's a huge figure. He's bigger than a lot of these titles, um, individual titles alone. And so as people start to talk about, you know, what he did and, and the movies that he was in as of recent, Black Panther's going to come up. So it's me, more people going to support Black Panther. So I guess that's the... That's kind of the silver lining in this. And I mean, that's probably from a more selfish way because I like Black Panther for obvious reasons. But <laughs> <laughs> way to make it about me. What um, is the obvious reason? Huh? I'm just joking. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, what is the obvious reason you like Black Panther? I, I was just Black. joking. I was just joking. <laughs> Black <laughs> Panther. <laughs> Black you know, if they were white right, Black Panther, y'all would accuse white people of being racist. You said or white Panther. You know that's how white people be. Why are you so proud about Black Panther? You, you absolutely if it was a right. white you Panther, you're absolutely right. We would accuse you of that <laughs> because uh, it's a white Spider Man. It's a Iron Man is made out of iron, but he white. Spider Man is a spider, but he white. All of these people. <laughs> Uh, all, uh, Wolverine, the star of the X-Men, he white. The next star of the, the X-Men, who's Cyclops, he's white. Rogue, the other star is, is white. We have so many of these. We think we're very thankful for 
Black Panther. We we love it. And there's no need to have a white pan a white panther because we already got White Wolf. And White Wolf was in <laughs> Black Panther movie. So you <laughs> We already got it. Like we don't need no more. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. So y'all tell us what y'all think about our mimosas and OJ. Hashtag ha- hashtag chat BC. We'll be back for our main dish. <laughs> Well, we're back for our main dish. Today's main dish is on embracing um, our blackness or what does that mean and is it good and does it hurt us? And really, today's main dish came from me thinking through. Um, I was sorely disappointed when Andrew Gillum, well, we still in Florida, we don't know what's going on. We don't. Don't know who governor governor. We don't know. We don't know what Florida going don't on. know. Georgia be. don't know. Nobody knows what's going on at this point. Yeah, we're we're in the middle of confusion. But um, bef- the night before the um the election, they were doing a concert. Puff Daddy was coming, and I mean that's a whole separate conversation about are these celebrities helping or hurting? That could be a whole another conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause like I. It, whatever that's a whole nother situation <laughs> but he wanted to have a concert and uh with Andrew Gillum and um at the beginning of the concert they had a band and then they had like music playing and it seemed like they was just doing stuff to wait to Puff Daddy actually landed at Monica they had Monica Tiffany Haddish Puff and um Will Pack Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and uh, so they was playing music and they started playing music and the music was the unedited versions and people in the comments were like edit it please and I was like should it be edited because I was like when I first heard it, I was like shouldn't these be edited because they're playing it on his official they're streaming it from his official campaign page right and so it's like if you want to have a concert you know just have it if you want to energize the base of the student population mm-hmm. but I was trying to figure out is this going to help you or hurt you with white people who may be on the fence you know white people are easily scared by black stuff mm-hmm. um, especially hip hop and so I was like is this going to help him or hurt him when it comes to independents that may be on the fence or white democrats because if you notice even in the election results Bill Nelson had a smaller um, a, he was he was had it was a smaller gap, and so what that tells me is that white Democrats probably voted for Bill Nelson, but still voted for um the the uh the white governor. So they didn't want, even if they were a Democrat, they may not have wanted a black governor, or right. they just went with one of those white candidates. Um, so um. Uh, I just wonder, does it help or hurt when we're in spaces where sometimes it feels like we have to turn down our blackness? Um, I mean, I guess that could be defined or not. Um, does it help or hurt us in those in those spaces? So, so. I I think to, for me um, to that point, which I actually think is a it's a good 
obviously a good a discussion to have, um, especially to the the point of Andrew Gillum. I think that we've seen we saw President Obama. He's obviously, you know, this is the first black president and he has this black family, but we saw them do everything right. Right. Mm-hmm. So they were they they still were authentic and they still came across as authentically black. Um, but then they also a lot of the things that we saw were universal. So it's like the love of family. Um, it is if if we look at just kind of to to point specifically at first lady michelle obama if we looked at her you know she wore um her hair was pressed the entire time and then once he left office there on vacation and we see her with this furrow um and so we know that this is something that's a part of who she is um that she probably did not do you know either by choice or just by suggestion from somebody else while in office you know she never take any official photos in her afro um and we saw them just kind of handle that place and that space and that position from a very poised and universally understood and accepted place. Um, mm-hmm. And so comparing comparatively, if we look at like an Andrew Gillum, who has uh, <laughs> not shied away from saying things like my grandma told me a hit dog a holler um, and you know, just kind of putting in those tidbits that are very it, it probably it's more of black culture. Like it's this comes from us. He went to a HBCU. He proudly uh, talks about his HBCU. He talks about his HBCU in comparison to the the Ivy League PWI elites, if you will. And he puts his HBCU on the same that same scale. He is a for lack of a better term which y'all know i hate this word articulate man but he also brings in his black culture with that and i feel like that's him and so if we were to compare the two he is a difference he is different from uh the presentation of the obamas andrew gillum is um and i think but I, i think that is the thing that works for him and i think that's the thing that's good in this time where we see people that are being authentically their white selves right and they're very right wing it's us versus them type mentality i think it works in that space i think it's a good thing i think i want to say across the board that all the time i believe like yo being authentically yourself and bringing in your black culture is never bad i don't think it's bad and i don't i don't think that it I won't categorize it as it hurting us, but I also think about just from your example, probably because we're in Florida, right? Florida is a red state. It is very mm-hmm. conservative. Um, we are from there. We live there. And Florida has, you know, the, it's turn up parts and it's great. Th- it's great things about Florida, but it is traditionally very, very conservative. And so, you know, being on his official website and having somebody that is not in tune with hip hop culture or, does, or thinks that it's just like a joke or something that's not serious and not even just from just like them being a white person, I would even, I would move to say a lot of people that are more conservative in my family, heck, would probably saw that and saw that they were cursing and it's rappers or whoever. And it seems more like a party. They're not going to say, Oh, this is a candidate that I want to support because of this. Cause they're just like, yo, 
I can't get with this. This is like the kids. I think it helps Andrew Gillum in that what the goal of his campaign in many ways was is to kind of get this young generation of people, us in, in the, in the it was a G, generation Z after us energized to come out to the polls and to vote because that's who we need. Right. President Obama was able to win in that way by energizing young people. So I think their approach was like, let's energize the young people. So let's get the celebrities um, to come out. Let's get these people that are influencers and influencers by way of like social media still today let's get those people to come out and to go it was no question it was no uh coincidence to me that you had somebody like monica who i think on instagram has something like six million followers um tiffany haddish who obviously is super popping now um will packer who's a power player as well to bring those people to come out and let's do it these people represent the culture and so let's get the culture and the young people to come out on that way and this concert is not really for the people that won't get it but those people are exposed to it um i kind of battle with this obviously i feel like everything i just said i kind of I, I battle with this idea because the part of me that understands having to play the game especially as somebody that lived grew up in went to school in, and worked in florida there is a game that you have to play i don't feel like i've been able to bring my blackness 100% to the table. And when I say my blackness, I mean like the cultural parts of my blackness, right? So I haven't always been able to bring that 100% to the to the table because it's not something that people will understand. It's not something that's comfortable to people. It's not something that people Now they might have somebody, they may have a very similar cultural approach. Um let's talk let's say arguments, right? Typically, we get real hype. I know me. I'm extremely passionate. People always say, "Low, your passion uh, is it, it either can be intimidating or it can be really, you know, exciting or inspiring. But for the most part, for people that don't get black culture, they'll probably think like, oh, he's yelling. He's going off, if you will. Um, but so I feel like I haven't been able to bring all of that there and not doing that is what allowed me to excel in certain spaces. But then getting out of that space, it frustrates me because it's like, hey, here is a person that has been subpar, that is 100 percent their authentic self all the time. And that comes with all of their cultural uh, flaws and things that I'm not too pleased about. But because it's not something I'm not a part of the the majority that's empowered, that can understand that. I just kind of got to take a L. You know what I mean? So it's like. It's a bit frustrating in that I feel like you should always just be 100% authentically yourself. But then another part of me says, okay, well, you got to still have to check the pulse of the environment and assess the situation and see, like, do I need to kind of play the game and scale back certain things and not like fraud or front um, to not be yourself. I'm not saying go in and be like, Oh, I am Jimmy and I'm happy all the time. Like if you need to do that, you probably don't need to be in that space, but there is like, Hey, if we are going to do hip hop music, maybe let's do the edited version because it is Florida. And so hearing curse words, you have people that will automatically tune their ears out and say like, Oh, this is just bad because it could be that they're cursing about, you know, I love equality for everybody or and people aren't hearing that they just hear curse words and it completely flattens them out. I feel like uh, Florida is definitely the space for that. 
But I also understand that a lot of what attracts us as young people to candidates, especially in this type of environment, is that I want I want to be able to relate to those people. Um, I remember when President Obama said that he listened to was it like Kendrick Lamar or something like that, like to Pimp a Butterfly, I believe it was. And there became all these news outlets was like, oh, President Obama listens to this, you know, rap music. And it has these lyrics in. And I remember reading this one uh, op-ed from like a conservative writer that like quoted a line from a Kendrick Lamar song um, and saying like, this is what the president of the United States listens to. And it's just kind of like, I mean, okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, all right. But that part of that excited us. That's relatable to us. That's what we want to hear. We, we know that we got to be able to go into, you know, work and into the boardroom and be very professional and just like kill in that way. And then when it comes to, um, you know, our entertainment, we just want to be able to just have a good time, drop a couple of F-bombs and keep it moving. Like that's that's how our minds work. And so I think for them, for Andrew Gillum specifically, it was more of trying to be like relatable. Um, but I, I think I struggle because I, I, I want to say on the forefront, bring all of your blackness to the table, be 100 percent authentically you in every space. But then I also have to kind of recognize or think that, well, you know. I want you to be authentically you, but then I also want you to assess the situation because what we can't do is say that we are going to just forget that people ain't going to get it and just I'm just going to always be me and then get upset when we can't progress in those spaces that we want to progress in because we don't have the power you know like somebody has to play the game maybe it's not you that has to play the game maybe like i'll play the game and i'll get to a place where i can create a space for you to not have to play the game but ultimately the game exists in this society so we're gonna have to do it you know yeah i would say like when i saw it i was like man strategically considering Florida and how conservative it is and still trying to maintain staying relatable, I would have asked the celebrities to stream it on their platforms because this is the night before the election. This is the first thing that people are going to see when they go to your Facebook page and they're researching you. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So you got like specifically there was a when we looked at the exit polling, white women overwhelmingly voted for DeSantis. So um, I'm thinking about a white woman who's on the fence and she's researching the candidates the night, the day of. If she's not, then she goes to Andrew Gillum page. The first thing she sees is that, you know, because that's the last thing you got on there. Um, like, it's like. Uh, it's like, do we have to play? Should we play the game until we get in and then you can switch it off? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like halfway in there, like make sure you get in and then go all in. But don't go in all in the night before. Like don't show everybody all your cards. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think for me, I don't know, because I think if we look at just the way that the voting was for pre- President Trump, um, I, I don't know that not doing that would have changed it. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I feel like I wonder if through, through some sort of like research or some sort of analysis of who's going to vote what, I think in large part, you had somebody that 
you had a candidate that was black and another candidate that was campaigning with Donald Trump, right? And so as much as people complain about the current president, as much people as people say, like, you know, I disagree with his policies or, you know, I just I just don't agree. I don't agree. I don't agree. We had a freaking women's march that the weekend after he was elected, um, which was predominantly predominantly white in many in many ways but when you look at the way that those people voted they didn't vote in a way that said that right and so it's like your frustrations don't turn out and from a a, a, from a voting uh, perspective it doesn't seem to align with what you say and how you vote and in the same way with with florida like it doesn't as frustrated as you are, you're not voting that way. But I think that more of that had to do with the discomfort of having a black man in this position. Um, and, and and I don't even want to say it from the standpoint of being like, oh, everybody's racist. Right. Because the one thing that annoys me is I hate that this term. It's almost like it's the worst thing that you can call somebody or and it's, it's so offensive and it's so hurtful to say this to somebody. And so you can't classify somebody in that way, which a part of me, I guess I get. But it's kind of like, well, when you make certain statements or certain actions or you do certain things or you align yourselves with certain ideals, I mean, you know, <laughs> you kind of are kind of doing it to yourself, if you will. Um, but I think that how I don't know if any of those women or men, if they were on the fence, would have made a different decision no matter what they had saw, because I think it was more of a I'm uncomfortable with you from a perspective of not just because you're black, but I don't feel that I can identify with you as a whole. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that we do a lot in terms of voting and I always say if even for myself, like I'm guilty of it. Um when I was going to vote for like city uh, council in, in this area, I was looking up the candidates and one of the things and I was looking up on their websites and their, and their bios is trying to see what I can identify with them. Um, there's a certain part of certain stories and certain experiences, uh, volunteer experiences, work experiences that I'm looking to identify with. And I can say, based on these things, I, you have my vote. Because I can identify with this experience that you had. And so I feel like a lot of voters, especially in Florida, which is traditionally, you know, conservative, um, I feel like a lot of them automatically approach it from the standpoint of what can I identify with you? And I think seeing Andrew Gillum, seeing his wife, seeing his children, the fact that he went to a HBCU, you have people that are going to automatically say, I cannot identify with you at all and just kind of make their decision for the contrary automatically. Um, And it's not about like, I disagree with you. It's not about like, oh, I'm racist. I hate black people because they don't feel that way in their heart. But it's just like, I don't feel like I can identify with these this man's experience. So whether he had P. Diddy on there or Joel Osteen, I wasn't going to vote for him. No, you know, no matter what, because it's just like I can't identify with him. And that's why I, I feel like it goes back to. If you look at that, looking at the Obamas, I feel like they were kind of the epitome of people that made everybody feel comfortable, made everybody and, and and not saying that that's the right thing at all. I criticize President Obama's approach to like Morehouse and and and, and people, the grad black people graduated in general. 
um, reading the transcripts of those those speeches, it's kind of like, yo, you have these people that are graduating from extremely reputable institution and you telling them that they don't need to make excuses. Fam, they ain't never make no excuse. Shut up. Why are you approaching them with that? Um, I feel like Ta-Nehisi Coates was very, very critical of him in that way during that time. And reading Ta-Nehisi's Coates, Coates like um, his like exit interview or kind of uh documenting the president's last uh few months in office um i think he had put that in like um i forget it was it was a really really long like piece that he did he was just like documenting his criticism of the president obama and like president obama's experiences with different people and he documented that but he was very vocal about you know the president and i just aren't going to agree on certain things we ha- we've had conversations and still to this day we disagree on it um and i'm very critical and i push him on certain things because of his approach um so it's not to say that they're the model way but i feel like they did their actions and the way they moved kind of catered to everybody or at least tried to cater to everybody right it tried to cater to the working class people and the more like affluent people uh the the celebrities the average person the young person the old person like it really tried to play to all of these different spaces and i feel like andrew gillum that's not what he did um, but I think that that's what helped him energize his base. And I feel like they probably looked into it and was like, you know what? We're not going to get these people no matter what. The mere fact that he said he went to F- Florida Agric- Agricultural and Mechanical University, like it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what you did, bro. I can't I can't get into you. I'm not going to support you. And. I feel like kind of the voting, like, it's, it's just that way. And so I, I think that's why I say I lean more towards just bring just bring who you are and bring your blackness and embrace that. Um, I think I'm also learning, too, that I used to feel really awkward saying certain things around certain people, doing certain things around certain people just because I didn't want to be, like, the stereotype. Um but I think that once I got to a place that I really start to, and it it it's a it's a continuous journey. But once I got to a place that I realized that even with any stereotype that I might play into or that you might see me do, I still am uh, real, real strong in this area. I'm a ba- I'm, I'm a badass in terms of my intellect, in terms of my ability to reason, my ability to lead, to create all of these things. Once I realized that and I accepted that, you know what, I'm extremely good at this, no matter what you ex- you ex- you think of, you think mm-hmm. I am, I'm able to be a lot more of myself and to let more of that blackness go um, and just kind of just like, this is culturally, this is what I do. Um, one of the things I always say <laughs> when I'm at work is I'm a millennial, so I don't, I say, and I say that to say like, there's certain things that is just not gone we're not going to agree with because as a millennial, I definitely believe in this. I believe in, you know, non-traditional ways of doing things. I believe in being open and fair and maybe me not understanding your experience, but not needing to understand your experience. And you coming in with like purple, green and yellow hair. And I'm not looking at you like you crazy, no matter what your race is, because I'm just kind of like, okay, can you do the job? You can do the job. All right, then what's well, fine. Like, I don't, you know, whereas other people may be more 
oh, this is not appropriate. And, and, and does this look professional and all of this? And I'm like, hey, I get it. Like, I understand. So if that's the environment that we're in, play the game to get where you need to be. But in terms of me being in leadership, if I see you do that, I don't have a problem with you because I don't care what your hair looks like as long as you can get the job done. As long as you're technically sound, you're competent, you know, you can do the things that we need done. Huh? I don't really, (laughs) if your hair is not shooting everywhere, but it's just like 15 different colors and you have it in a a neat looking space. Okay, well, it's fine. Like, go give this presentation. If people don't like the color of your hair, tell them to close their eyes and just listen to you. Like, I'm a millennial in that space, but I feel like I've been able to get there from accepting all the the great parts about me the parts about me that makes me like marketable and 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 makes me attractive to be a part of the organization so i lean more towards like let's just let's just bring our blackness there you know because i just feel like i don't know i feel like in florida some people in certain certain demographics is just gonna always be a losing battle because they don't get it no matter what we do we can do a million things right and say I do a million things right and I attended an HBCU and that'll be the the point of them saying like I can't un- I don't understand your experience because you went to an HBCU you know yeah and and then we had Donald Trump trying to make this parallel that DeSantis was smart because he was a Yale Harvard guy and I'm like mm, I don't think your, where you went to school equates to how smart you are it considering that <laughs> I mean, DeSantis didn't show us any level of intelligence. Well, not I won't say any level of intelligence. He wasn't debate savvy because he looked <laughs> like a deer in headlights in those debates. Like, I'm like, well, where's the yell at Harvard? Because it surely ain't kicking here now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but in, in the, the funny thing is that um, Stacey uh, Abrams, didn't she go to... It was Yale or Harvard. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Yale. But, I think she went to Yale. But he then he said she was still unqualified. And I'm mm-hmm. like, your scales are changing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so. And that's why is. I feel like it goes back to, like, some people, that's just how it's going to be, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't. I don't feel like, and I get it, like, there's a... It's a, again, the political process is a game in general. So I'm not saying that just go in there and just be loud and rambunctious or whatever, because I don't think that that is what it means to be black. But I feel like from the standpoint of like, you know, our taste in music or, you know, maybe like the, the just the style of dress, um, the way that we do certain, the way we do certain things, the way that we talk, right? Some of us have like a, a Southern draw, which I worked very very hard to try to let go but that was for that was because of my dad my dad was very like you can't do this you can't talk like this this is how you're supposed to say it you got to speak properly yada 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 and i'm glad that i've been able to do it but a part of me also gets frustrated at times and that's why i love when i hear people that don't speak proper english if you will, because it's kind of like, yo, be you, be a hundred percent you, because what's going to happen is you'll do all this changing and then you'll see somebody else that was taught 
to be 100% themselves and not say everything correctly and not speak with proper English all the time. And those people will start to excel and be in places where of leadership and in and prominence and influence because they've been able to be 100% themselves and they weren't pressed down. They weren't worried about this pressure of, am I doing this right? Is it enough? Is this okay? Can I do this? Is this person going to like this? Is that person going to like this? They had a Tiffany Haddish of the world. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's just like, they are really just going in and it's just like, I'm just going to be me and you figure it out. Because and and I'm good enough, like right. I'm gonna find my footing, and I'm gonna be good and, and sharp in this. But I'm going to always 100% me, be me in every situation. And if you don't like it, that's on you. You got to get over it. I don't care what your position is, how much money you have, what cho- decisions you can or can't make. You figure it out because this is me. Those are the people that excel and people that are being forced to kind of conform to all these different spaces. Eventually, you can't keep up with it because on Tuesday, this person is the head. And by Friday, that person's the head. And you got to keep changing it up to try to meet all these standards, which is stupid and draining. Yeah. And that's the that's the political process. They want you to be somebody different for every audience. Yeah. Um, and which is how I guess people lose themselves in politics. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just, and, and even outside of the political sphere, I feel like how people kind of, how people lose themselves just in life in general. And that's why I'm so prone to teach, you know, children or people or anybody that I'm in contact with. Yo, be you. I think you got to understand the results of being you. Um, And so sometimes if, if you don't play the game in a certain space, you might be shut out and that's that's just how it is and so sometimes you might need to play the game and and not to bring every aspect of your cultural differences to this space immediately um but i still think that i want to err more on the side of telling you to be yourself because if you can find comfort and peace of mind in that. I think one, I say this all the time to my friends at this stage in life, if it's not bringing me mental peace, I don't want it. Like, I don't care. I want things that are going to push me and pursue me, you know, I mean, push me to my dreams and to the pursuits that I have for myself. But I also want to be able to have a peace of mind. And so if I got to completely be somebody else in order to get something, I probably don't really want it. You know what I mean? Like, cause I'm not going to be comfortable in it anyway. Like I'm going to be able to externally say, Oh, I got this title and look at me. Like, I mean, okay, cool. Maybe I'll get a bunch of Instagram likes, you know, maybe people congratulate me a number of times. And then after a while, I got to be this person that I'm not, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like that's dumb. I don't want to do that. I want to try to be anything but who i authentically am and if you don't like it oh well if you can't get with it mm, oh well maybe there's somebody that will um and i feel like even with andrew gillum you know being his authentic self to take it back to that sphere look at what he's been able to do right he's repped his his hbcu he's repped his grandmother and and her you know, black grandma statements that everybody has. And it's like, he's been able to get to this place. And I think in this political climate, that's what we need. Like we need people that are being their authentic selves because the people in leadership are being their authentic selves. And in many ways it's trash. <laughs> like it is very, very just like, no, this is it. So 
gone are the days in politics and just in life in general where I think people being more closer to the middle of something is the way to get ahead. I don't think we're there. I think things are so polarized now that you just got to be 100% whoever you are. And some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. But I think if you continue to do that, you'll you'll win more people over by them knowing who you are than trying to play this guessing game of who you're going to be on which day of the week. Yeah, definitely. So y'all tell us what y'all think. I just realized that we've been talking a long time. Y'all tell us what y'all think <laughs> about this topic of turning down your blackness. Do y'all turn down your blackness in spaces? Do you alter yourself and present yourself in different ways? Which I think we all kind of do to a certain extent. But do you go ex- to extremes with it where people in one space wouldn't even know who you are in the other space? Um, let us know. Hashtag chat BC on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would love to interact with you. And we'll be back with our toast or roast. We're back with our toast or roast today. I want to roast two shows House of Cards. I'm not going to spoil it because I know Randall hasn't seen it, but I just want to. I want to toast House of Cards and I want to toast you. I mean, roast House of Cards and you for their crappy endings. Number one, House of Cards. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> just could have been done better. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. But you. Lifetime. If y'all watch you on Lifetime, I know Randall's not gonna watch it, so I can spoil it. (laughs) (laughs) He killed the girl. He killed Beck, and I am devastated that he killed the girl because this whole season, I didn't realize that the whole show revolves around him and not her. So we gonna have a season two, but Beck not gonna be in it. And so I am devastated. So and was I she feel the main like character? Yeah, she was okay. the the uh, center of his attraction. So he was dating this girl. He found this girl named Beck that he liked in the bookstore. But apparently he had killed his ex-girlfriend, which he thought he had killed her. But she shows up in the final episode and was like, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he starts stalking this girl. She falls for him, not knowing that he's stalking her. And then they're dating. Then she finds out that he's murdered her ex-boyfriend and her best friend because he felt like those were obstacles to her. Mm-hmm. He thought her ex-boyfriend just went off like and left the country. And then she thought her he set it up that her best friend killed. It made it look like she killed herself, but he killed her. So he found she found out the truth. And then he locked her up in his little glass chamber and she tricked him into thinking that she was going to uh, forgive him. And then she hit him over the head with some like this hammer. She thought he was dead. Obviously, you need to hit people twice. <laughs> I don't understand what is this. I hit you. You bleed from the head. You dead. He is not dead. People. You don't watch scary movies. Right. They don't want to kill him for real. Dead. You need to like a snake. You need to kill him. You need to cut the head off just so you can make sure everything is but he killed Beck which was the object of his affection so apparently Joe is the the person that will continue and I guess every season he's just going to have a different object of his affection uh, but that was an emotional roller coaster so I'm just roasting them 
for killing off Beck. It said it's based off a novel, so maybe if I had read the book, I would have known this. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I don't. Like, I'm the only black person to watch the show. Yeah, I've never even heard of it until you <laughs> tell me about it. So I'm just listening and taking it in. That's all. It seems. It's you on Lifetime. I'm telling you, it's very interesting. I just stumbled across it one day and got stuck. And that's yeah, right. you know how I feel about Lifetime. I won't give y'all that again, but I to explain to y'all how I feel about their movies. They're just all sad and depressing. And so, MQ- it, was, it was a series, it wasn't a movie. I, I, everything that they produce probably besides the little women of Atlanta, which I don't think it was even coming back on. I think <laughs> it's just depressing. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's just not my cup of tea. That's it. Um, so this week I am um, actually going to roast. Uh, so I kind of battle with this cause I feel like I sh- it's Fox news. I shouldn't even talk about this. Like, I don't know why I'm roasting these people. Um, but it is a bit frustrating and is not, not specifically about Fox news, but I'm, I'm, I'm roasting them from the standpoint of like everybody just really realizing what's real life and from a financial standpoint. But so anyway, uh, Fox news host, um, I think their name, two of their names were Ed Henry and Judy Miller. Um, we know that there was just a uh, midterm elections. And so we had, you know, congressional members that won seats. And one of the people that won seat won a seat was Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, uh, which is from New York. And she's a millennial. She is becoming the youngest. She'll be the youngest um, mem- congressional member once she starts um, her, her position. And she was very open and vocal just about, you know, how excited she was, how she actually beat out a candidate that had been in that position for for years. And so this is a really huge, really big deal. But obviously, she's a millennial. And so from a financial standpoint, we say this all the time while we look at our salaries and say, oh, we're making more than our parents and our grandparents in terms of how far this more dollar goes. It does not go as far as the dollars of our parents and our grandparents. And so she openly discussed or talked about, um, you know, that trans that transition of having to move to D.C., having to purchase an apartment, how expensive apartments are in D.C. She has this very prestigious uh, seat and position and it's like, oh, it's so great. But the reality is, you know, they ain't running her no advance checks. So it's expensive, <laughs> you know, to actually move and to live in D.C. And so she talked about that. Um, and she talked about, you know, the having to I think she tweeted that she's going to not have a, a, a check. She's not going to be making any money or receiving a check for like three months before she starts her position. So she was just, you know, just being open like, hey. This is going to look very interesting for me to try to get this done. It's not something that's very easy, which for the most part, most of us understand. Most of us don't have some huge sack of money just kind of sitting around that we can just go to and be like, oh, it's time to uproot myself. No matter what's happening in your life, you like, yo, I mean, I'm doing good. I might be able to live and enjoy life a little bit. But for the most part, I got to keep working this job and keep getting my salary in order to sustain this. And so Fox News, those uh, uh, Ed Henry and Judy decides that 
they just want they want to talk about this story, but they talked about it with jokes and laughter and talks about and they talked about how she just doesn't have, um, you know, it must be also oh hard and she's not managing her money properly. And, you know, you knew that you got to pay rent and all this other stuff that's just like real sideways and real trash and real careless. And I think that when I am watching it, I'm like, OK, so it's Fox News. So I didn't expect anything better however i think this speaks to so many people's ideas everybody's like oh millennials need to do this and y'all need to do this and y'all need to do this and it's like truthfully though financially it's really not easy and living in a place like a dc or the dmv area one thing that we all know is rent is stupid rent is extremely stupid so when you meet somebody and a person that's like oh i have a roommate or i have two roommates or i stay in a basement apartment and people are like oh why don't you just go and do this i remember talking to uh people from back home and them being like yo so aren't you tired of having a roommate and it's like well i mean yeah maybe but ultimately when i start thinking that i can pay i'm gonna be paying two thousand dollars plus for an apartment it's like fam I don't want to have to do that if I don't have to. You know what I mean? Like, this junk is expensive. And people are like, oh, you know, you got the money, yada, yada, yada. Nah, because in Florida, I was paying half of that and have it, and had, like, way more than I have here. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I, I want people to understand that when we start talking about millennials, we talk about life today, we think about these things. We got to be more considerate. First off, it's not funny because this rent is no joke. Second off, it's like you really got to start to think about all of how life is way different than it was for you. And so for these two people to sit on on TV, on television and talk about this and do it so casually like, oh, yeah, you know, she just has to be better. And if this is if her finances in any inability. If any indicator of what she'll be able to do in Congress, we might be in some trouble. Ha ha ha. And it's like, nah, fam, rent is just hella expensive. And that's just what it is. Like, it just is like finances for her, especially somebody in public service. Money is not in abundance. Like it is not. You are not making guap all the time. You're not in the guap that you might start to make. We start looking at the expenses and the cost of living. You like you know, over half of that guap is going to that. So you're not even really, are you really balling? No. So I'm roasting Fox News. I'm not even saying roast them so like y'all can be like, oh, don't watch them because I kind of feel like y'all probably ain't watching them anyway. But um, because they don't really seem to care about anything that relates to young people for the most part at least for young people that i think should probably understand i don't really think they speak to us anyway um but if you are a person that thinks it's funny to laugh at her like yo check yourself because it's real out here and i applaud her for being honest and open about yes i got this position Yes, this is going to be amazing, but honestly, I'm not in a financial position and many of us in the working class aren't in a financial position to just make these huge financial moves so easily. Like, get out of here. Yeah, and, and maybe she'll bring some reality to our... <laughs> Hopefully, our and, and start talking about less. What can we do about people having, like, some better rent prices? Because this is ridiculous. Exactly. Well, we're going to leave y'all with today's good vibe. Today's good vibe comes from BJ Thompson. Pointing out the problem is simply a matter of observation, but solving problems will involve our participation. And that speaks volumes because sometimes we like to 
point out things we have no uh, desire to actually work on. Um, yes. <laughs> if we don't observe the problem and talk about the problem, let's be a part of the solution um, and participate in problem solving. Right. I think self-explanatory. <laughs> you're going to say so, something uh, about it, do something about it. That's it. Exactly. Yep. You got it. So um, thank you for listening to another episode of Brunch Culture. We enjoy being with y'all every single week. We wish there was a way that y'all could talk back to us as we're recording um, to be a part of the conversation that we could hear y'all talking back. As many of y'all have told us that y'all be talking along with the conversation. (laughs) So we would love to hear those. um, Hashtag chat BC with your thoughts your thoughts comments so we could get a little bit of what y'all thinking on facebook instagram and twitter follow us on facebook at facebook.com backslash brunch culture on um, twitter at brunch culture on instagram at brunch underscore culture iHeartRadio, itunes google play um stitcher subscribe by searching brunch culture um email us at brunchculturebc at gmail.com we would love to hear from you and remember here at brunch culture everything is up for discussion